Amen and amen. Well, it was everything I could do just to hold myself back from not running up on the stage and like grabbing a microphone and leading worship with the team. It was so good. <laughs> when I prepare to teach, I, I look like a schizophrenic because I sit down and I have my Bible open and then I close it, I stand up and I lift my hands and I sit down and I have my Bible open, I close it, I stand up. There's just some moments you just like, oh, I, I got to participate in this. I got I to gotta sing worthy, right? It was so good. Um, well, let's pray, and uh, I know we have been praying, but let's pray one more time and just position our hearts to receive the word of God. Lord, we come before you humbly, Lord. You said unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of God, you must humble yourself like a child. And you put a child in their midst and you said, this is what it's like to receive the kingdom of God. So Lord, we, we, we want to become childlike in the, in the right ways. We humble ourselves, Lord. Before you, before your word, before um, the community, God, we humble ourselves before each other. We submit to one another. We grow with one another, we encourage one another, we champion one another. And so, Lord, as we humble ourselves, would you just, as John prayed in the, in the prayer room, would you break up the fallow ground of our heart? Any hard places of our heart, just do that work, Lord, of breaking it up so that we can receive, as James said, the, the implanted word with meekness, with humility. We want to receive it, God. So soften my heart right now. Soften our hearts right now. Let your word be like that sword that cuts off the dead skin, that cuts off the hardness so that we can receive. In Jesus' name. I think we have some Irish worship music going on. <laughs> so what's happening? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, with that, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, can we bring up the lights in the house a little bit so people can read their Bibles? Let's just bring them up just a touch. <laughs> Is that good? Do we need them up more? Or, uh, let's go up a little bit more. There you go. There you go. That's better. I say that because if you have your Bible, uh, I want you to follow along with me today. I have... A bunch of scriptures in my heart. We're going we're gonna to start with Ephesians chapter 4, and that's going to be kind of like our, our door hinge, but we're going to go a bunch of places from Ephesians chapter 4. Um, it was about, well, it's about three weeks ago. It was, it was as we were, it was over the Christmas holiday, over the Christmas break, and a little bit before that, that, that I felt like the Lord began to highlight Ephesians chapter 4. Because I feel like he's, he's bringing us into a season of making disciples, a season of equipping saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so as I just begin to, as we were talking as a staff, as we were hearing, kind of like sensing what the Lord really desires for 2000. 23, it just centered around discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. And the Lord just kept pointing me to Ephesians chapter 4, that it is about 
apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, equipping saints so that saints can disciple. Now, we all are in a place that we need equipped, right? None of us have arrived. We all need the equipping, okay? We all need the the putting back together, the, the, the putting in our hands the tools that we don't have but are given by the Holy Spirit so that we can make disciples. And the way Ephesians 4 says that is so that we can build up the body of Christ. Christ has a body in the earth, and you and I are that body. But he wants a bigger body. (laughs) Amen? He wants more people in the family, more sons, more daughters. He wants a, a larger temple, so to speak, that he can be glorified in, that he can dwell in. And I feel like the Lord is highlighting this we are to be making disciples in 2023. So we have a discipleship training uh, on Monday night, tomorrow night. I encourage you to come. If you can't come, then, then jump online. But this is for all of us. We grow in maturity. We grow in our own discipleship as we put our hand to the plow and we make disciples of others. I have grown as a man of God, as I've got my eyes off of myself and invested in others around me, prayed for others around me, poured myself out for others around me, opening up the word with others around me, praying with others around me. But when I have the mindset of, I want to lead them to encounter Jesus, then Jesus goes, oh, Marcus, that's exactly how I have designed for you to grow in maturity. I remember when I was young in the faith, and, and that was so scary to me to like make disciples because I, I felt so inadequate. How many of you guys feel that a little bit? You hear, oh, you're called to make disciples, and the first thing that maybe the enemy whispers in your ear is, oh, that's, that's not really you. You're not ready for that. You're not mature enough to do that. And I want to say, that is you. (laughs) If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you are called to go. You are called to teach. You are called to make disciples. You are called to baptize. He is going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. And we do it in different seasons, and we do it in different ways, and it doesn't all look the same. In the, in, in the way it, it, in the way we put our hand to it, but it's the same aim. We are called to build up the body of Christ in the earth. So let's jump into some of these verses in Ephesians 4, and I, I think you'll be encouraged to, um, to take up that assignment. And I'm just asking for the Holy Spirit just to, Holy Spirit, just Speak to us this morning. Just convict us this morning. Lead us this morning. Give us ideas this morning on how you want to accomplish Ephesians chapter 4 through your body at the rock. In Jesus' name. So Ephesians chapter 4, it starts off verse 1. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, 
He says, I'm, I'm a bondservant of God. I'm yoked to Jesus. He commands and I obey. I'm his prisoner. And I urge you, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, Paul has just gone over in chapters 1, 2, and 3 what that calling is, that we've been adopted, that we've been joined to the family, that Jesus is going to return and unite heaven and earth, that we're supposed to uh, build the, the, the temple of the Lord, that every place and every city where believers name his name is to be a dwelling place for God. And then he goes into, he goes, and you Gentiles, you were once aliens, you were once foreigners, but you've been grafted in. You've been given access by the Holy Spirit to Yahweh. That was good news. That is good news. And then Paul describes his ministry and how he, he had been called and he had been obedient in chapter 3. And then he says, from that place, he goes, that's the calling, but I, you have to walk worthy of this calling. It's not just a mental idea. It's not just uh, things that we talk about. It's things we do together. We have a walk. We follow Jesus. Just like Mike said, Jesus said, follow me. And that's the idea of we walk worthy of the Lord. We walk alongside him. We walk behind him. We continue to follow him. Amen? We're not inactive. We're very active in our calling. And he says in verse 2, I want you to do it with all humility, with gentleness, with patience. I want you bearing with one another. Don't do this in a prideful way. Don't do this in a way where you think you have it all figured out. Do it with humility with one another. And when someone else isn't maybe as, as mature as you in your walk, bear with them. Walk with them. Come down to, to their level and, and help to pull them up. Don't write them off. Amen? He goes on, verse 3. Do this with an eagerness to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, we're going to get to this idea of unity in the subsequent verses. But this is our mindset. It's an individual walk. You have to do things individually. But we have a mindset of keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why? Because this is all coming, verse 4, from one person. <laughs> there is one body. There is one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. And Paul just keeps unfolding this. He's like, there's one Lord, verse 5. There's one faith. There's one baptism, verse 6. There's one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So he's like, we're not lone rangers in this. <laughs> the power in which we follow the Lord comes from one source. The, the spirit in which we follow the Lord comes from one spirit. What we do in the faith that was handed down to us, it's one faith. It's not multiple faiths. It's one testimony. It's not multiple testimonies. Amen? So there's unity, but then there's also things that are very individualistic. 
There's, there's how am I going to apply that to my life and walk that out? And that's what he, sh- what he kind of shifts to in verse 7. He says, so there's, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But he said, but grace was given to each one of us. Now, I think that's Paul doing a little play on words there. I really do. He goes, there's one faith, but grace is given to each one of us, also individually, right? And it says, this grace is given to us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So this does not start with ourselves. Something was given to you. Something was purchased for you. And it's called the grace of God. Amen? One of my favorite things to meditate on is the grace of God. I was watching my son play soccer, and we were at Regis University, and just, this is a funny story. And, uh, and I, was, I was meditating on the grace of God just kind of as I was watching him, and, you know, the ref would blow the whistle, and I'd kind of pull up another verse. And, and uh, I was watching you, Reese. I saw every, every time you touched that ball, bro, I was cheering, okay? When you were out that second half, I was in my Bible just a little bit, but it's okay. <laughs> And it was so funny. And then I remembered that this has nothing to do with, with where we're going. Okay, this is just a funny story. Not a funny story. But. And I remembered one of my friend's daughters goes to Regis University, and she's not walking with the Lord. And I just began to pray for her. Like, Lord, just touch her. God, as she's in this Christian school, like, send her people who are burning for Jesus and just bring her back to the faith. And I texted my friend. I said, because I, I couldn't remember the daughter's name. And I texted my friend. I said, what's your daughter's name? I'm at Regis. I'm praying for her right now. And he texted back, Grace. And I went. <laughs> like the presence of the Lord just filled my heart. Anyway, that's so cool. But grace is given to us. Look how Paul talks about it in Ephesians chapter 3. Just back one chapter. Look how he talks about his, how this operates in his own life. Verse 7. He says, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. He's like, my own ministry is birthed out of the gift of God's grace. Hear the humility in that? He goes, and it was given to me by the working of his power. Paul didn't produce his laid down life in his own strength. It was given to him by the working of his power. And look at this, verse eight. And to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, there's that humility part. He goes, to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. Again, he just has to say it over and over again. Grace is given. Grace is not worked for. Grace is not attained. Grace is given. But when it's given, we can grow in grace. Amen? There's another verse that, that I love when it talks about this. Let's just look at Romans chapter 12. Talking about the grace of God. Very similar language. And it's written by the by the Holy Spirit, through the same man, so it would be kind of similar language, but he says it in a little different way. 
in Romans 12. He says, starting in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, there it is again, given to me by, the Holy, by Jesus through the Holy Spirit, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith. There's that word measure. It was back in Ephesians 4 as well. To the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many, many members. There's, that, there's this corporate unity. As of one body, we're all pursuing the same thing. We're all connected to the head. It's all flowing from him. But we have to recognize we are many members in this one body. He says, and the members do not all have the same function. Verse 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Same idea as, as Ephesians chapter 4. Gifts flowing from the grace given to us. And my call to you this morning is to take up the gifts of God he has given to you. You have access to the gifts of the Holy Spirit by the grace of God. Use them to build up the body of Christ. You're going to hear me say that 900 times this morning. Okay? That's the goal. That's, the, that's where we're going. And I love it. Verse 6. If you have the gifts of prophecy, or having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to your faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. 1 Corinthians 12 goes through another list of the, the gifts of the Spirit, that there's wisdom and there's understanding and there's interpretation of tongues and there's healings and there's workings of miracles. Let's look at one more uh, grace and gifts passage. Just go with me to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. This is one of my favorite verses just because it's... It, it's it blows my mind every time I read it. First Peter chapter 4 says this. Verse 10. Let's go to verse 10. Now Peter says a little different, but it's the same idea. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So again, Peter is saying... We have received gifts from the Lord. Do not use your gift to put yourself over someone. Use your gift to come under someone and serve them. That is just, I love that. That will challenge you in every prideful place in your heart. <laughs> that challenged me this, this week. Am I using my gifts for my own benefit? Or, am I, use, or am, am I doing what Jesus did? Having everything, he gave it all up to come under us and to lift us up. To lift us up to his very throne. To lift us up to his very presence. To make us 
co-heirs with Christ. How many of times you read that in Romans 8 and you're like, I don't feel like I should be a co-heir. I don't feel worthy of that. And Jesus goes, oh no, I've made you worthy. By my, that's who you are. That's who I've made you to be. When I breathed life into Adam and Eve, they were to be co-heirs with me, ruling and reigning with me, walking with me, talking with me, and having my kingdom flow out of Eden to the rest of the universe. That's what Jesus has come back to restore. Hallelujah. Sometimes I just, I open the word and I go to scriptures and I just ask the Lord, tell me who I am again. I have the world saying this. I have accusation of the enemy saying this. Would you just tell me who I am again? And the, the list of who we are is just unbelievable. That I'm his child. That I'm a, I'm a prince in a kingdom. That I'm a bride. I love that I'm a bride. I just say, I pray that all the time. I'm your bride because I know what it feels like to have a jealous husband's heart for a bride. You love me like that? You burn for me with love and passion like that? Anyway, woo! It's, we're on a good team, guys. Like, okay, but this is the verse that, that let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4. We did 10, but, but look at verse 11. Whoever speaks, speak as one who speaks the oracles of God. <laughs> what? If you're giving a ministry to speak, and this just isn't on a microphone on a platform. This is at breakfast with your children. This isn't platform preaching. It can be platform preaching. But this is coffee with your friend. This is a phone call to your mother. This is a phone call to your dad. This is when your son randomly calls you, because when kids move out of the house, they forget to call their parents for about 10 years. I'm, for, I'm realizing this. This is when your son randomly calls you, and I go, oh, if I speak, Lord, let me speak as an oracle of God as a very messenger of Yahweh. That is all of our privilege in the church. I, I remember the first time I read that in my 20s, I, I was like, that has to be a bad translation. <laughs> and then I read another translation, and it was like, whoever speaks, speaks, speak as if God is directly speaking through you. And I was like, well, that's even weightier. Because I, I had no idea what oracle meant. <laughs> You know, you're in your 20s and you're still learning the English language. <laughs> and then it says, and whoever serves, serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Guys, if you are giving a ministry of service, I've been praying this. I have two little boys now in my house and we're changing a lot of diapers and I've been like, Lord, I'm serving. I need to do it by the strength that you provide. And I'm serious, you know? And when I do that, I, I kind of pray for them when I change those diapers. I have a different mindset, you know? When you come to the food bank, serve with the strength that God provides. Ask him for this strength. We don't step into our ministry and go, okay, God, I got this. You gave this to me, but I got it from here on out. No. 
If he birthed it by grace, it has to be sustained by grace. And we lean into him who sustains us and he fills us with strength. Hallelujah. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Could you turn my microphone down just a bit? Because I want to talk louder. <laughs> I want to yell a little bit more and I feel like if I yell into this microphone, I'm going to kill everyone. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That's why we're doing it. Not for ourselves, to him be the glory. To him be the dominion forever and ever. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. God has given us grace by his son. This grace manifests gifts in our life. We all have it in different measures, in different areas, in different ways. We, we humble ourselves in that, that I don't have everything and then we find someone who is stronger in a gift than we are, and we go, praise God. I love being around Tracy Fox. He operates in the spirit of prophecy that I don't operate in. Praise God. He had another dream? Praise God. What is God saying to our community? I love walking alongside Mike because he operates in an apostolic calling that I don't operate in much. Praise God. He can walk into a room full of like leaders and still lead. I walk into a room full of leaders and I go, oh my goodness, what is going on, you know? Am I still a leader? I don't think so. <laughs> Praise God for apostolic gifting, amen? But we have to submit ourselves to it. And we have to go, I don't have everything. And I need you and you need me. And that's it, that's the body of Christ. And guys, when we start to get that puffed up spirit and it sounds like this, oh, I could probably do that better or I could probably da-da-da-da better than that person, just rebuke yourself. <laughs> just say, oh, no, that's not the Lord. And just go, I need that person and begin to pray for them. I tell you what, pride is rooted out in my heart with men and women around me when I pray for them. My whole attitude shifts. My whole mindset shifts, okay? And we all deal with this, right? I'm gonna be like Christy here, right? Like everyone, we're all, <laughs> I, love, I love what she preaches. Okay, verse eight. Therefore, it says, now this is just beautiful. This is talking of Christ. When he ascended on high, he did something. He led a host of captives, meaning he took prisoners, meaning he put chains on powers and principalities. He disarmed them in the heavenly places. I love that verse. When he ascended on high, he led a host, not just a few. That host is a multitude. It's what it's used of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of multitudes of armies. He put chains on multitudes of principalities. They do not have free reign in your life. We can claim this. No, you are a captive of Jesus Christ. 
Darkness does not have free reign in my life. Darkness does not have free reign in my family. Darkness does not have free reign in my city. It has free reign if I don't contend with it in the place of prayer, and I don't contend with it in the place of standing up to it in the physical realm. That's when it has free reign. But when we contend in prayer, and when we say in natural circumstances, no to that lying spirit, God's like, I'm going to bind that spirit in the heavens if you do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, know, I feel that too. That's why I needed the microphone turned down. I wanted to yell a little bit more. But what else did he do? He gave gifts to men. These were the gifts we were talking about. He led a host captives and he gave gifts to men. Just go to those verses. Go to Ephesians chapter 1 about him being above all all authority, all power. Go to First uh, Peter chapter 3, and it talks about, at the very end of it, the, the, the authority that we have because of what Jesus has done in the heavenly realms. Go to Colossians chapter 2. He disarmed powers and principalities. That's my favorite one. All right. Verse 9. Now, in saying he ascended, Paul's going to, Paul's interpreting one verse out of Psalm 68. He's getting all of his theology from one verse out of Psalm 68. It's verse 19. So we're not going to turn there, but he's interpreting it in verses 9 through 10. He goes, now in saying he ascended, what does it mean that he had also descended to the lower regions of the earth? The way I interpret that is Christ came down as a man. He came to earth. It's the incarnation. But verse 10, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, and here's the purpose, that he might fill all things. Jesus went to the cross as a man, descended as a man, lived a life as a man, perfectly as a man, made a way for you and I as a man, died as a man, was put in a tomb, was raised on the third day, And then what happened as a man, he ascended. He went through the heavens, maybe out of our universe, into the new Jerusalem and sat down as a man at the right hand of God. And he has desires. He has a will. What does he want to do? He wants to fill all things. As you're driving the I-25 corridor, the will for Colorado, he wants to fill all things. As you're driving the I-70 corridor, the will for Colorado, he wants to fill all things. I know, isn't that wonderful? Yeah, let's clap. That's, come on. (laughs) Dan, I love your phrase. I'm preaching better than you're responding. That is, I just, every time. No, you guys are responding great. I'm not saying that, but. Every time he says that, I just chuckle. I'm like, amen. All right. Okay. Um, okay, this filling all things. Now, Paul has talked about this if, in chapter 1, and he says it in this way. Just turn with me to chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 19, just because I, I can't not read all these verses. Yeah, Ephesians 1. Yeah, 1. We're going to start in 19. So it's, it's Paul's apostolic prayer in verse 1, and he's, he's praying, 
And in verse 19, it's, it's the third thing he's praying for, that we would experience the Im- immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. And here's what we are to experience. It's the great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He is far above all rule, all authority, all power, and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. <laughs> I mean, what an eternal mindset when Paul's like, oh yeah, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. You know? We don't think like that a whole lot. We need to think like that more. And what has he done? He's put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Now, this is a description of who you are. You are his body. You are the fullness of Jesus that is called to fill all in all. I wish we would talk of the church more like this. We are the the body of Christ. We are the fullness of Christ that is called to fill the earth with his glory. Wow. Like when we think of ourselves like that, we we get up different in the morning. We're called to fill Colorado with Jesus. And that's what, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4, that's what he's describing right after it. How is Christ going to fill all things? I mean, can you believe we have this information? I just said, how is Christ going to fill the universe with himself? And we get the answer in the next verse. I'm excited. Verse 11. He gave apostles. He gave prophets. He gave evangelists. He gave shepherds. And he gave teachers. This is God's wisdom. This is not man's wisdom. This is how God wanted to fill the earth with himself. He wanted partnership with you and I. Guys, I'm just so, I'm so privileged just personally this week to, like, Lord, I'm so privileged to do this. This is amazing. Verse 12. These ministers, these, these offices, as they're sometimes called in the church, they're also called these gifts. We can, we can uh, let's go back one verse. These offices, these, these gifts, these are gifts. They're, these are only the gifts. They're some of the gifts, but they're not all of them, right? These gifts are to produce this. Let's go to the next verse. The equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. To equip can mean to mend. When, when, when Peter and the apostles were mending their nets, it's the same word. It can be to, to put something back together. Have you ever encountered a crushed person? They're crushed in life. Our ministry is to put them back together. Now, it's the Holy Spirit that puts them back together, but he's not going to do it without you. He might give them a dream to come to the church. He might give them an encounter, but we are the ones that are supposed to mend. 
that are supposed to be gentle, that are supposed to speak. I mean, if, if you have a broken person, you don't walk into a hospital room with this like, I don't know. You walk in gently. They're broken. But it also means to put in the hand something that they didn't have for service. So it's, it's, it's a bringing together, it's a binding together, but it's also, oh, you need, to, you need this. Oh, you need to stop talking like that. You need to talk in faith. Oh, no, that's, that's not the Lord. That's the enemy whispering in your new life. Now, let's pray together. Oh, let's open, let's open the word together. Let's, let's live life together. Let me give you, I don't have it all figured out. I mean, Paul even said that. I haven't attained, but I'm reaching for the attaining, but I haven't attained it yet. But he was farther along than the Philippian church that he was leading, and so he helped to lead them. Amen? And guys, this works. I can be farther along in one area that I can equip someone in, but then another one, someone can be alongside me, and they can be farther along in another area, and they can equip me, okay? So we're always being equipped and equipping, being equipped and equipping. I mean, this is the story of my life. I, I used to think it was very linear. It was very like, okay, I got to get to a certain place, and then I'm the equipper. I'm not being equipped anymore, right? That's how you kind of read it at first, but it's, it's not like that. It's very, I would say, like circular. It's very, it's in a community. And so we equip... And we equip saints. This is who they are. They're set apart ones. We don't have this, this puffed up, prideful thing. We go, no, they are saints of God. This is who Jesus was praying for when he said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word. He was praying for people to be completely set apart for the service unto Yahweh. And then he said, okay, I'm praying that in John 17, so I'm going to consecrate myself. I'm going to set myself apart for the work God has given me to do so they can be set apart. And his work was to go to the cross. Isn't that beautiful? So the laying down of someone's life sets another person apart for the service of Yahweh. That's what Jesus did to us, and that's the model we're to do for everyone around us. We equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, ministry is a funny word. It gets meaning, it's not a funny word, but, but when we say it in the church, we think of like church things, right? The ministry, the church ministry. At least that's how I hear it. I like to use the word service. <laughs> and that's what it means. Ministry means serving. Let's go to Mark, just turn with me to Mark uh, 10, 45. This is, how Jesus describes his ministry. I love this. Because we get to equip people to do what Jesus did. I said, uh, I think I said verse 25, but it's verse 45. Mark 10, 45. Let's just back up for a little bit of context. 10, 42. John and James have just gotten their little elderly mother to go before Jesus and to say, Jesus, could my two sons sit at your right hand in your kingdom? (laughs) 
I mean, talk about like some manipulation. And Jesus is just, I bet he's just smiling. He's just like, oh, you're not, no, this is, no, you don't, no. You know, he has one of those, he's like, oh, do you know what you were asking? I mean, he actually says that. Anyway, it's fun. And he goes, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I baptize? And they go, yes. They said, oh, we're able to do the cross thing. And Jesus is like, oh, no. No, I'm just playing. So uh, it's just one of the funniest things. But then, just like everyone would, verse 41, when the ten heard of it, they became indignant with James and John. (laughs) So they're still working on their personal holiness as well. Indignant is not a great thing to be. Verse 42, and Jesus called them to him and said, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Now get that language over, over, over. That's not what Jesus has come to do. And that's not what he wants his disciples to do. He goes, but it will, this is verse 43, it will not be so among you. You, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be great among you must come under you. And whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. My goodness. I don't know if we would all sign up for the ministry if like, <laughs> this was really explained to us. <laughs> no, we would. Okay, and then verse 45. Here's, here's the point. For even the Son of Man came not to be served or came not to be ministered to, but to serve, but to minister, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I really feel the call to discipleship should be thought of in that mindset of, I'm not coming to be served. I'm coming to serve and I'm coming to lay down my life. Now that is not, we're not gonna ransom people like Jesus ransomed us, but his sacrifice purchased something. And it's supposed to look like him. It's supposed to look like a laid down life for one another. Now when you hear in the word of God how this is gonna be rewarded in the age to come, this is hard now a little bit, But guys, the measure of glory you're going to experience when you stand before his throne because you gave yourself to making disciples is, I don't think we can comprehend it in this life. God will reward this type of laid down life. He will set you on a throne with him, it says in Revelation chapter 3. You know the throne that my father gave me? I have a part to give you of that throne. Glory, authority. It's gonna be amazing. I mean, Luke 19, the, the minus thing, and he goes, well, you were faithful with 10 minus, so why don't you rule 10 cities? <laughs> it's like, that doesn't equate, right? Like, that's, that's, a, that's a big upgrade. And I think Jesus goes, you have no idea what I have in store for you. Now you can, you can taste it by the Holy Spirit. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 2. You can, or 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You can taste 
of that glory when the Spirit starts to communicate with you. But at the same idea, you have no idea what I've prepared for you. Woo! I want to be a part of this. Let's do, uh, let's just go a little further and then we will be done. <laughs> I forgot to tell about the fast. <laughs> I was supposed to make an announcement. I'll make an announcement at the end. How about that? All right. Christy, it's your fault. You, you were supposed to remind me. <laughs> I messed with you. <laughs> What'd you say? Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. That's funny. Okay, let's do this. Verse 13. So we're supposed to do this, and then there's like a measure. This is Ephesians 4. We're going to be in verse 13. Apostles, prophets, laying foundations, evangelists being heralds, shepherds and teachers gathering those who believe and, and raising them up. And, 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 and we can operate in a little bit of all of those things. Like, I just, I feel like we're called to all of them. But we do that to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body of Christ. And then it says, there's, there's a measurement he gives. He goes, until, and this is what we're, we're after, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. There's somewhere we're going with this. And it's the prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17. It really is. That they would be one, Father, as you and I are one. I in them and you in me. That they would be one. That the world may believe that you sent me and the world would experience the love that you have for them. That's where it's going to the unity of faith. But then there's also another unity, to the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now we can, the, the way I think of these two things is like the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, we, we experience things about Jesus. We come to understand things about Jesus. We come to encounter Jesus in different ways. But there's a unity in it. We're encountering the same person, right? But then there's a unity of the faith. It's almost like the encounters that we have with Jesus, we walk them out. It's, it's truth applied to our life. It's the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. We experience him. But then it's the unity of understanding who he is and applying that truth to our life and walking it out. And we need those two things. And we need to grow. And look, we're to grow. We're to be a mature man in this, a mature person in this. To what stature? To the, full, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Man, you talk about a grand life vision. That is awesome. And guys, this happens now. We are to pursue maturity now. Now, I think this will be ultimately fulfilled when Jesus splits the sky, when we receive the resurrected bodies, when we're made kings and priests, when he's ruling on the earth in a very increased way than he's doing right now. But, but we can pursue this now. And we should pursue it now. That word maturity, look, look at John 17. John 17, verse 23. This is exactly how Jesus praised this.
Let's go to John 17. We'll start in 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become, here's the word, perfectly one. That's the same word back in Ephesians 4 for mature. It can also be complete. It's the same Greek word. That they would become mature in their oneness. That they would become complete in their oneness. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Guys, when we do the work of the ministry the way God said to do it, with humility, pursuing maturity, that is going to happen. The world is going to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross and to rule and reign for eternity and that they can be a part of the family. That the world would believe that they are loved by God. Do you understand? Oh, that's the gospel, right? The, the other verse that I've been just loving with this word maturity is uh, Colossians chapter 1. It's right at the very end of, of Colossians. It's the last two verses. Colossians 1 verse 28. It says, him we proclaim. <laughs> I'll back up to verse 27 just because it's so good. To them... God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Woo! And then he says, next verse, and, and it's him, Christ, the hope of glory, we proclaim. And we warn everyone, and we teach everyone with all wisdom, why? That we may present everyone mature in Christ. So there's a individual pursuit of maturity that is worked out as we help others become mature in Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. And then it says that as we do this, verse 14, if we apply our life to this, we will no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So we do not want that. We want to pursue building others up, building up the body of Christ, pursuing maturity, pursuing unity, pursuing unity in the knowledge of the Son of God because... That will save us from this. Now, there are places in the Bible we need to be children, and there's places in the Bible we don't need to be children. And this is one of those we don't need to be children like this, right? We need to be childlike in our humility, Matthew 18. We need to be childlike in, in, in our receiving of the kingdom, Matthew 19. But 1 Corinthians 14 says it really well. It says, I think it's around verse 20. It says, do not be children in your thinking. He goes, be children when it comes to your experience of evil. But he says, but in your thinking, and it's that same word, pursue maturity. We need to pursue this because the Lord wants us to grow up. Let's look at the, uh, that next verse. Actually, put up verse 14 again. Guys, we are living in a day where there are winds of doctrine 
that are just blowing people off course. They're in a boat and they're helpless against this wave that's just like, and just sending them places they don't want to go. And they're, they're floundering in an ocean because of these winds of doctrine. Now, I believe that the humans that are preaching these winds of doctrine honestly believe they're preaching truth or saying truth. But look at that language. There's something behind it. There's cunning. The first word that describes the enemy in Genesis chapter 3. But the serpent was more cunning. He was crafty. Craftiness, and again, and deceitful schemes. The same thing that's used in chapter 6 of the enemy. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but we wrestle against powers and principalities so we don't enter into their deceitful schemes. So all that to say is this is a spiritual battle, I really think. And most of the people that are doing that, they're the humans teaching that stuff, they don't know they're being used by the enemy. We're called to open their eyes. We're called to bring them from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of the son that he loves. And now let's go to verse uh, 15. How do we do this? <laughs> this is beautiful. It's back to teaching. It's back to speaking. We speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. There's that maturity again, that growing up. How do we do it? We speak truth in love. Now, I used to take that verse as a license for really pointing out people's sin in their life. <laughs> and though there is license for that, I, I don't think this is what this means. I think this is preach the gospel. Tell people who they are. Speak truth and then demonstrate that truth by a life laid down and love them. Put those two together. Because I tell you what, I think the world is just done by hearing preachers rant about different things. They need to hear truth, and then they need to have someone walking alongside of them and loving them. So we speak the truth in love, and we grow up. Let's keep going. We'll, we'll, this is the last verse. Verse 16. From who the whole body, Christ, he's the head, and he's... And it's from him, the whole body, being joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly. Now, that was touching me. That's, that's going back to there's grace given to all men, to everyone. There's different gifts. And when we are working properly together as a body, that makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The body builds the body. The, it, the wisdom comes from the head. The influence comes from the head. But the body builds the body in love. And I just, I, I, I felt the heart of the Lord this week as I was preparing. He was like, Marcus, just do this. Build my body. Sign up again. Sign up again for the next 40 years. Don't, don't grow weak in this. Don't grow tired in this. If you are tired, ask me to renew your vision of this. But build my body. And the last phrase I want to leave with you is, or the last idea is, there's someone living in this body, and it's Jesus. Let's just go back to 
Ephesians, let's go to Ephesians chapter two just for a second. Mike was talking about this in the prayer room and this, is, this was just on my heart as well. Ephesians chapter two, it's, it's very similar in language but it's talking rather about, it's talking rather, rather than a, a, a physical body, it's talking about a temple being put together. But they're very similar ideas. Verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. There's that apostles and prophets there. He goes into it a little bit more in chapter 4, but that's where it's established. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. And what was touching me is, why is this so precious? God wants to live somewhere. God's looking to inhabit. God's looking to dwell. And we want to be a part of building that dwelling place. And that is souls, and that is souls accepting and believing in Jesus and being discipled. And then the whole process starts over again. They start to get an apostolic calling. They start to get a teaching calling. They start to get it. And they begin to do it in the church. Oh. So, we have a fast coming up. Ah, I got it. <laughs> uh, it actually starts today. We're going we're gonna to do a 21-day fast. And we've been kind of announcing it through the emails and talking about it. But, but we have a fast that starts today. Okay. Or if you want to cheat a little bit, it starts tomorrow morning, all right? If, you, if it's just like, I can't do it tonight, I'm going to start tomorrow. And we're going to go for three weeks, and we're going to end on February, someone help me, 4th. That's right. I want to encourage you to pray about this. Pray about many things. But I want to encourage you, how am I making disciples in my life? And how am I being made a disciple in my life? I want to encourage you to talk to Jesus about this for 2023. I want to encourage you to come to our discipleship training on Monday. We're, we're partnering with another church. They've seen, two years ago, they had 30 discipleship groups. And now they have 700 discipleship groups. And they've just gotten this passion for preaching the gospel, bringing people in, and starting to walk alongside them. They're calling these discipleship groups simple churches, but these are, these are people who weren't believers or who are very nominal believers, and they're, they're edifying and they're growing one another. And, we're, and the pastors that are leading this are coming and teaching us this. That's what Monday night is about. I would really encourage you. It, it, it's, it's awesome. So pray for that. I also want to encourage you to get in the word of God these next three weeks. We're starting something as a church. We read through the New Testament together. Oh, I don't have my thing. I left it in the prayer. We read through the New Testament together last year, about six months. But we're going to start a, a, a Bible reading plan through the Word of God together. Okay? Um, it's, you can go to our events page. It's right outside. And you might have gotten one when you walked in. We're going to do this together as a church. We're going to read through the Bible in a year. How many of you guys want to read through the Bible in a year? You want to say, I, got, I made it through the whole Bible this year. Okay? 
We need our minds renewed in the Word of God. And guys, our culture is so loud right now that if you're not in the Word daily, weekly, having it shape you, I just something is shaping you. Let it be the Word of God. If, we go, if you come to Growing in the Word on Wednesdays, we're going to be going through this. We'll just have discussions around something that we read. But I want to encourage you, during this fast, give yourself to the Word of God. If you don't do this plan, do something. And then don't just have it for the fast. Let it establish something for 2023. Amen? Amen. All right. So I think we can be done. Jonathan, why don't you come up? And Mike, why don't you come up and we'll just pray. And Would you mind standing? I want you to stand and just hold out your hand like you're receiving a gift. Let's just ask God to do these things in our life. Amen. Lord, we come before you. And again, just like we started, we we confess we don't have this all figured out. But Lord, we desire to grow. We desire to mature. And we desire to be instruments that you use in the earth to build up your body. Lord, we agree with the wisdom of heaven. The filling of all things through normal believers investing in those around them, through normal believers preaching the gospel and seeing people come to faith and walking alongside them. Lord, we say, use us in 2023. I even pray during this fast, this 21 days, that you would just, that we would encounter your heart in this area. That we would be compelled by love. That this was, wouldn't be something that we have to Just like Paul said, it's the grace of God birthed within us for the ministry that you called us to. Lord, I feel like if if we knew your heart for the lost, if we knew your heart for making disciples, and we felt the love that you feel for these people, we would reposition our lives. God, we just ask you, put that love in our heart where we are clinging to some selfish ways, we say, put your love in our heart and cause our hands to just let go from that clinging to selfish ways. What Mike prayed at the beginning, God, we, we, we say again, we're counting the cost. We are selling the oxen. We are breaking the plows. We are making a, a great sacrifice so that we can follow you and walk worthy of the calling that you've given us. Lord, we just ask you for grace. Just ask the Lord for grace right now. Say, put this grace in my heart. Holy Spirit, come. Spirit of truth. You're the one who bears witness of Jesus and then you equip us to bear witness of him. John 15, the the last two verses of John 15. Holy Spirit, come and do this. Be the bearer of witness through us. First be the bearer of witness to us and then bear witness through us to the earth, Lord. 
Come and do this, Lord. And God, I just pray for angelic encounters this next 21 days. I pray for um, prayer meetings where your Holy Spirit is so thick and rich. God, I pray for times in the Word in the morning to where we're just weeping, that we're tender before God. I ask you for conviction that we would, we would look at our schedules, we would look at our time, and we would, we would rethink under the influence of the Spirit, not under the influence of condemnation. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, set aside these 21 days. I prophesy 21 days of glory. Glory. And where we don't have strength to fast, give us strength. Where we're not motivated to fast, give us the motivation, God. And when we mess up, let us not disengage. When we, when we, when we maybe eat the potato chip we, weren't, we said we weren't going to eat, let us not disengage. Let us just get right back in. Let us just press delete and just go on. Lord, set, consecrate these 21 days for the rock in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not going to preach. This was just so good. Uh, I feel like we, we have the communion elements up front. And, uh, and so what I'm going to do, I, we're, just, we're going to just close, but, but I feel like there, some of us, all of us, you just may want to take communion as we, as we leave this place. And so uh, just between you and the Lord, somebody said this in the prayer room that uh, the boats are going to get burned during our, during our prayer and fasting time. Uh, over the next 21 days, I do believe that there's going to be some, some burning of boats, some getting out of boats, uh, some shifting in our lives. And uh, so I would ask you to take this seriously. Take the time of, of prayer and fasting seriously as we, move, as we come into 2023. And we'll have corporate times together. But those alone times between you and Jesus are, are going to be so beautiful, so powerful. Uh, I just, two scriptures here. One, it says this, Isaiah 66. I feel like it's just this call. It's what, what Marcus was talking into, but it says this. The Lord says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Earth is where he does the work. And the question he asks, and he's asking his people is this, where is the house that you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? I want to leave us with those questions. As, as I, it, I would ask you to go back to Ephesians 4, pray into it. But where is, where is this resting place? And I know where it is. It's here am I, send me. Let me be the one to build your house. Let me be your resting place. It's interesting that he says, where, who's going to build my house first? It's the ones that build his house that become the resting place. And so let me kind of pray, read this over us. The Lord just had me in this this morning. So just put your hands out. And then if, you, if you'd like to take communion, you're, you're welcome to. I just ask if maybe if we just kind of keep it quiet in this place. If you want to go out and just fellowship and talk, uh, maybe just go out into the, into the foyer. Also, let me just say, I'm so sorry that you guys are all freezing. 
something's going on with our HVAC units. And so, but we just kept you awake, right? It's just, <laughs> everyone's freezing in here. We will have the heat fixed next week. <laughs> yes, we just, there's an inner fire in you. Let the inner fire burn in you because the outside is freezing cold. So I'm going to just leave us with these words. And, and again, go back to Isaiah 66, just that one and two. I just feel so important that who's the one who's going to build the house and where is the resting place going to be? And then he says this. He goes, he goes those that are humble, contrite in spirit, and tremble at the word of the Lord. Those, that's, that's, our, that's our starting spot. That's our starting place right there. That's the place of fast that we're going to move into. So, Lord, we just thank you. Just this Psalm 37, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Lord, I pray that our trust would be in you. We don't trust in the boats. We don't trust in the plows. We don't trust in the things of this world, but our trust is in you. And you say, dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Lord, I thank you that as we, as we yoke with you, as we set our heart upon you, as we, as we align with what Marcus had just talked about today, and Lord, it's by your grace as we walk in the humility, knowing that it's all you, it's not us, but that your desire is to dwell with us and to move through us and that we would be those that build for your kingdom. Lord, may we delight ourselves in you. And then in that place, Lord, as we go, Lord, I desire for that person to come to know you. My neighbor who's been, who's been just down and out. Lord, that, that those are the desires on our heart. When the Lord says, yeah, I'll meet, I'll meet those, heart, those desires, the desires of your heart, because they're the desires of my heart. So, Lord, I thank you that you would give us the desires of our heart. Lord, that we would commit our ways to you, trust in you. And you'll do this very thing. This is your promise. That you will make your righteousness shine like the dawn. He will make, I'm sorry, he will make our righteousness shine like the dawn. And the justice of our cause like the noonday sun. And then he says, be still. Be silent before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So Lord, I thank you that over these next 21 days, we will wait upon you. We will set ourselves in you and upon you. We will twist ourselves into you. We will align our hearts with you. Lord, that you would become the resting place. That this, this resting place that you have would be in us, through us. That, that we would be the hope of glory. Christ in us. Lord, may we be your resting place in this time, in this season as we wait upon you. So Lord, we bless your name and we thank you, Lord, that our lives are to give glory to you. May we give, our, may we give glory to you with everything that we say, with everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.